Hi, I'm Mark Scott, Secretary of the New South Wales Department of Education, and welcome to Every Student, the podcast where I get to introduce you to some of our great leaders in education. The person I'm speaking to today was recently announced High School Principal of the Year at the Australian Education Awards. It's Tim Lloyd, the Principal of Plumpton High School in Blacktown. And Tim's 1,000 students come from 66 cultures, and 80% are from low-income families. Now, Tim's a passionate believer in bringing the real world into the classroom and has established an astonishing number of school partnerships with business, industry and universities, all to prepare young people for life after school and to improve their chances of getting into uni or scoring a job. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Mark. It's really, really honoured to be here and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, it's a long way. I mean, you grew up on a farm at Cooler. And then you completed high school as a boarder in Sydney. I mean, what did you aspire to do after you left school? Uh, initially, I didn't really know. And I'd had a really patchy career through education. In primary school, I spent a significant amount of time outside the door. Um, it just didn't interest me. Just causing trouble, were you? I just probably just not engaged. So causing trouble would have been probably, yeah, a big, a big part of that. And I guess um, leaving school, not knowing what I wanted to do, took a year off, played rugby um, and then thought, well, you know, I want to go back, make a difference and thought I also wanted to represent Australia and um, then followed through and wanted to do education and be a teacher and put back into a system which I'd had mixed success with. And, and you became a gymnastics coach or something for a period I, of time? Yeah. I did, yeah, and I spent um, a, a bit of time coaching for Australia and, and produced Australia's first world champion in, um, in our history, uh, Juanita Little, who was the world champion in 1997 uh, for aerobics, a newly uh, new sport within, within Australia and gymnastics internationally. Yeah. And then um, you, you trained as a PDHPE teacher and your first job was actually at Plumpton High School. It was, and I think uh, I really was, I loved my opportunity to go back, go to Plumpton, having grown up in the bush and a lot of disadvantage in the bush. And I thought that where I landed at Plumpton was was similar in many ways to where I grew up. Big difference being the the significant multicultural mix at Plumpton, um, but gave me an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of kids and and to see how how we could change some circumstances for kids and having a love of sport and a love of a love of PDHPE. That, that certainly gave me that opportunity. Um, you, you stayed there for six years and then you began a career which had you moving around the system somewhat. So where'd you go after that? Yeah, I moved from Plumpton to Dunheved uh, High School at that stage and helped uh, create Chifley College, which was, was the amalgamation of the uh, the five Mount Druid High Schools and spent a significant time there as the head teacher of PDHP and administration. And I guess that's where I started some of my innovation in doing things differently. Um, looking at PDHP, how do, we, how do we put a gym into the school? How do we then have kids looking at exercise physiology and exercise science and pursuing uh, fitness leaders courses and strength and conditioning coach courses so that not only do they learn the skills, but they actually gain a credential that, that serves them well to gain employment or to have interest in going into further edu- education, whether that tertiary or otherwise. Let me deal with some unfair stereotypes. Sure. You know, you know I, think, I think it would have long been helped that if you're really kind of preparing kids and preparing kids for a tertiary education, academic career, there are certain subjects that do that. PDHPE, uh, you know, targets the kids who aren't interested in that trajectory and that pathway. 
I'd argue that in the past, perhaps, absolutely. However, when you look at uh, what universities are seeking for those students who go into medicine or physiotherapy, exercise and sports science, exercise physiology, one of the key things that universities are looking for now, and I speak with our university partners, whether it be Macquarie or Western Sydney, and students who are studying the senior PDHPE course, which doesn't just take in that exercise physio, exercise physiology and, and that scientific space. It also looks at healthcare, it looks at psychology uh, and all manner of, of uh, I guess, specialty areas which are essential for us, um, in the words of Seligman, to flourish as the humans moving forward in terms of our psychological makeup and our well-being. One of our significant struggles in Australia being anxiety and, and students' mental health. Um, I've been uh, reading again Grit by uh, Angela Duckworth and she cites Seligman, who of course was a uh, mentor for her. To what extent, you know, do you think the attributes of Grit are really effectively developed through PDHPE for kids? I think they have the potential to be well developed through PDHP, but I think it, it requires a little bit of thinking outside the box to add to that. Um, we've, we've implemented the Duke of Edinburgh Awards Scheme as part of our, our PDHPE structure, and that's embedded in Year 9, so it's mandatory for our kids to do that Duke of Edinburgh Awards Scheme. And for some of our kids who've grown up in Western Sydney, a lot of whom have never been east of the Anzac Bridge or west of, west of Penrith, so taking those kids uh, to do adventurous journeys in the Bloom mountains or other places, camping, learning to cook their own food, a little bit of adversity with temperature, setting up tents without those creature comforts certainly goes a long way to developing some grit and determination and that, and that notion of that there's things I, I can do and some not yet, if we look at the, in the words of, of a growth mindset in a Dweck space there. Um, and that, that's significantly benefiting our kids and that, that ability to transfer skills then from things that they can't do and then realising that they can overcome that adversity with a bit of grit and determination and transfer that skill set into succeeding in maths or English or science or any other curriculum area. And that's been exceptionally beneficial. Tell us about your work at Green Square. Sure. Um, I was when I was at uh, as deputy principal at um, Leichhardt campus of Sydney Secondary College. Um, my college principal at the time, Mark Anderson, uh, knowing that I'd spent a bit of time out at Dunheaven and with some challenging kids who had some challenging circumstances, uh, put my name forward to take an opportunity to set up Green Square School. And at the time, Green Square School was the first of the new style of SSP where students were going into a reintegration plan. So students who had some challenging circumstances, uh, required some mindset shift uh, to value education, would go there. Uh, they'd be working with experts in terms of behaviour uh, at, at Green Square and then reintegrate slowly back into their schools. It also had the first of the long suspension centres, so I established that prior to the first principal coming on board uh, for a term and a half. And it was a great opportunity to, to meet kids from a very, very diverse background. Uh, but not only that, to, to look at the way you can do things a bit differently to engage the disengaged and provide I guess the psychological support as well as the, the educational support. Many of those kids had gaps in their education since primary school, most of whom had had long non-attendance patterns in kindergarten and first class, which is the beginning of the reading and writing process. So to be able to tackle some of those challenges, to re-engage the kids in education, was a great opportunity. So you've got this really interesting career um, moving along here where you're given some big opportunities. I mean, the, the you know, setting up wellbeing programs, curriculum programs, working on kids who have uh, behaviour issues. And then all of a sudden the corporate office 
calls, you know, probably in part reflecting the diversity of your experience, and you're brought in to work on the early stages of local schools, local decisions. What, what was appealing and interesting about uh, that kind of work, to leave the schools and come and work at the corporate office on that project? Yeah, that was, that was probably the most amazing opportunity I've had to date. Uh, why? Because that had that brought with it the potential and the ability to change the entire frame of education in New South Wales to begin a needs-based funding model, which we absolutely need. But not only that, to be able to contextualise that and meet the individual needs of every every school in New South Wales across the 2,200 schools, which are which is you know second largest education system in the world behind New York City and New York. Uh, so. That was just a fascinating opportunity. But not only that, to be able to think outside the box and that blue sky thinking, which is one of the things I like like to do, but not only that, be able to, not only the blue sky, but absolutely to, to translate that into policy and process and guidelines to give people that ability um, to have license to try things differently and be outside the box, always remaining inside the policy line, but right on that very edge and think how you can think a little bit differently. But not only that, have the resources that are necessary to, to try things differently, um, whether it be a wellbeing structure that's implemented and explicitly embedded in a school, whether it be formal programs around forensic science or whatever the case may be that are part of a journey from year five through to year 12 or whatever. But it gave us that opportunity to try really new things and to have an opportunity to influence the direction of education, not only in New South Wales, but Australia in terms of what we can do for our kids and the diverse nature of our kids. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, you're right, you know, New South Wales is clearly one of the biggest education systems in the world. Some would also say, you know, pretty constrained. You know, it's very, you know, we're doing a curriculum review at the moment and one of the critiques is a very overcrowded curriculum. HSC is rigorous um, and very specific uh, in its demands. I mean, I'm sure it's not an unreasonable thing for a teacher or a principal to feel that they're handcuffed by the system. Definitely. And local schools, local decisions, I think, was the license to actually start breaking out of that and to be able to develop different pathways. And one of my notions is that we need to be preparing kids for the world outside of school. My clients aren't the school down the road or up the road. My clients, in terms of for my kids, are what industry wants. And having quality partnerships with industry enables me to bring those partners into the school to think, right, we need people with these skills. Okay, so how do we go about building people with these specific skills? For example, Microsoft cannot get people who can grind data and analyse data very well. So how do we work with Microsoft and perhaps a university partner to develop micro credentials for kids from year nine where they can go 9 10 11 and 12 and go into data be a cadetship with microsoft with a partnership university then employed and engaged because they're the jobs that exist we have to be adaptable and i think education hasn't been adaptable so let's talk a little bit about um your journey back to Plumpton. I mean, because it, I mean, it's one thing to provide advice to schools on how they should be spending the money. It's another thing to decide you're going to test yourself, right? And so after four years of designing and supporting LSLD, you put up your hand to go back and run a school and it's uh, back to Plumpton. Um, so what do you find when you walk in the door back at Plumpton again after those years out on the road? I discovered a school that, that um, 
was very different to what it was when I started there in 1992 prior to going and having the other experiences. So you'd been away for, you know, 15 plus years. Yes. Um, How was it different? Uh, The kids were disengaged. Uh, They... There was a lot of kids working really hard for an HSC, but they didn't necessarily know where that would take them or what it meant for them. Uh, Kids who were working towards trades and a lot of kids who were genuinely just disengaged and didn't know know what their future held. Uh, And I think the, the the big goal five and a half years ago was, well, how do we create a school and and a team that can align ourselves with society and where society is headed? One of the, um, you know, one of the surest predictors of educational outcomes is socioeconomic disadvantage or advantage. You know, you arrive at Plumpton, 80% of your kids there are in the bottom two quartiles. Um, to what extent did you need to address the question of high expectations, what these kids could achieve given, you know, what they've arrived at school with? Absolutely, and that was one of the big things. Kids who are disengaged and they want to get somewhere, but they didn't understand what that meant and what was required. So it was basically establishing where the water level was with the kids and then saying, righto, well, you guys are intelligent, but we need to work harder and smarter in the notion of growth mindset. You work hard with rigour. We will support you every step of the way, but you're going to have to work hard and there is no excuse for that. Um, or no way around that, but be assured there'll be someone helping you along the way. One of the things, though, it strikes me is is you've got to be able to convince kids not to argue for their limitations, but there are also issues with teachers and parents. And if, in fact, you've got intergenerational poverty or teachers who've been at the school for a long time and haven't seen a lot of students go on to future success, how, how do you educate the community around high expectations? That, that, that challenge is huge and... and in some ways, we can try all we like to educate the community and, and a lot of our community are, are well and truly on board. Um, but that socioeconomic disadvantage cycle requires additional support, significant additional support, uh, but not welfare, well-being. And that's around changing mindsets, not only changing mindsets of kids, but changing mindsets of parents that that's to one of, well, yes, my, my child needs to be at school for an additional two years rather than going out and getting a job straight away. It's about changing, shifting that mindset of the parents so that they've got a longer-term view that if my child stays at school for longer, works harder, challenges themselves more, then perhaps pursues tertiary education, whether that be a trade or university or other training, their life circumstance will be changed forever and the ability to support the family is changed forever. One of the, one of the amazing things about your school uh, is the list of partners that you have developed with industry. I, I, I've got it in front of me here. It goes for pages and pages and pages. Uh, you know, everyone from, um, you know, Microsoft and Google, but also American Express, uh, Citigroup, the Museum of Arts and Applied Sciences, Commonwealth Bank, uh, the ABC, Amex, United Way, um, just on and on and on. How we, let, Let's talk a little bit about these business partnerships. Why have they been important to keeping kids engaged in education? Absolutely. One of the things that, that we believe in at Plumpton is authenticity. If we can show kids that 
that people who work in that list of example uh, um, industries that you've, you've spoken of, if we can show kids that and they can meet those people, work with those people either in a science or a STEM-based activity or through a mentorship or coaching, so one-to-one, one-to-three, whatever the case may be, go and visit those workplaces and understand and gain a belief in themselves that they're no different to the people that work in those places and they have the same capacity intellectually as well as in terms of well-being and potential to work in those places, that then has inspired a lot of our kids to chase that dream of going well beyond school, tertiary education, but not only that, to contribute in, in, in a greater way in society in terms of leadership with our kids being experiencing in uh, project management through our student executive council as an example. But those, those partnerships have brought that level of authenticity into the classroom. And when we have business partners in our school every week or our kids going to Amex or to Citigroup, those things become less foreign and they become achievable and attainable because the kids are immersed in it. And it's about opening doors and accessing networks that our kids would never even have known existed. And when we have some successes, and we have had, had quite a number over the last few years with kids then gaining positions with one-to-one mentorships or access to university on scholarships uh, and those students then being picked up through cadetships or employment within those corporations, they can be then changed from the inside in terms of an understanding of socioeconomic disadvantage for those industries who can then go out and see that you know our 66 cultures at Plumpton have got the same potential as every other person working in this place and let's give them a go because they work really hard and they have that. And in many instances, our kids who've come from different parts of the world have overcome significant adversity to the level of success that they've attained and, and they're, they're great, they're reliable, uh, they're honest, um, they're trustworthy and loyal people and will do great, great work for those industries. One of the, the challenges, I, I, I wonder if it exists if I look at this list and think of all the you know, the great opportunities your kids have of going and working with people in different workplaces and the like is whether it exposes the rest of the curriculum. You know, you do all that, you know, you're at, you're at Google or you're at Microsoft or you're working in the state crime lab and then all of a sudden you're back doing stage six maths. Um, you know, uh, to, to, to what extent do all those partnerships transform what is actually happening in your classrooms day to day? That that complements what's happening in the classroom because you then the kids are then able to be authentically working, say, solving complex problems in our forensic science program with the state crime lab. So then that thought of, well, this is pretty interesting. This is maybe something I want to pursue. But in terms of curriculum and syllabus, it's really easy to draw across in the outcomes of the syllabus year seven through 12 uh, when we go and work with our business partners. All of those outcomes are being met and probably gone beyond by having that partnership with with industry and business because of that that level of authentic authentic learning and and solving problems in the world that are worth solving. Uh, And as such, our kids come back far more engaged because it's less abstract. It's concrete. It's things that they're engaged in that they would be engaged in following a university degree or a TAFE course and they're working at second and third year university level uh, in year seven, eight, nine and ten and and they're succeeding. And that that in itself builds self-concept and a keenness then to continue to challenge themselves intellectually.
One of the things that, that we talk about in the New South Wales public education system is this commitment to improvement. You know, every student, every teacher, every leader, every school, every year improving. And I suppose one of the things we're working on now is conversations with principals around how they're measuring that improvement, how you know that you're not just working hard and being busy, but you're seeing improvement. So what are you looking at uh, when you try and track whether all this work is seeing benefits and improvements? First of all, we're looking at literacy and numeracy. Without kids being literate or numerate, A, they can't access the curriculum, and B, they're not going to be able to access society when they leave school in employment or further training or whatever the case may be. So we've got significant structures that take kids from year seven right through to year 10 and 11 and 12 in literacy and numeracy. Uh, They're well-researched programs, uh, our accelerated reader program for our our kids. We've got a structured writing program that we're we're implementing. Uh, We use alarm writing for year 11 and 12 uh, we've got we have a partnership with RMIT in Melbourne um, a multiplicative thinking uh, program to build our numeracy skills so what are you expecting to see from all that activity well, and effort? yeah we're, we're expecting to see our kids graduate school having the capacity to go and tackle university-level mathematics, to tackle university-level literary requirements or TAFE to gain uh, accreditation through trades, etc. We're looking to see that our kids are higher-order thinkers and deep thinkers and complex problem solvers. And we do that. We've got a thing called Instructional Practices Inventory where we measure measure student engagement and higher-order thinking, which is since we implemented the system, uh, our level of higher-order thinking has grown exponentially uh, with reference to worldwide norms in that space. And if we've got kids who can solve complex problems individually and collaboratively and be leaders, uh, then they're set up intellectually plus self-concept and well-being to succeed outside of school. You're, um, you're look, also looking uh, closely at attendance issues and other, um, in a sense, community engagement as well. What are you seeing there? We're seeing an increase in, in engagement from our students. Our attendance last year was above the state average, and that's the first time for a long time. And that's for not only our uh, non-Aboriginal students, but our Aboriginal student attendance was above the state average last year, which is significant. And that's because our kids are engaged. And when we and when we look at our Tell Them From Me data, we can see that our kids are engaged. Uh, and we take that data right across our whole school, um, as opposed to pockets. Uh, and, and they're engaged, and we know that because... Because, and when you start to triangulate data across your NAPLAN results, our IPI data, our, our kids when they leave school having 1% of kids unemployed by March for the last two years in so a row. Explain that bit again. So by March... After year 12, what, where have your kids gone? Yeah, sure. Our, our kids have gone to university, they've gone on to trades or they've gone into employment. We had 100 students at the HSC last year. We had 36 early offers for university um, and we had 63 total offers for university across those 100 students. Uh, and by March, every student... Uh, well, 1%, so one student wasn't actively engaged in either work or further learning. Uh, so to and, like, and and in Mount Druitt, you know what, you've got an unemployment rate of 25, youth unemployment 24, rate of 24, 25%. Yeah. Um, also, I, I saw that, um, in a sense, you're encouraging community engagement uh, as well. Yeah, we do. We've got a, we've got a high-level uh really productive student executive council to build leadership capacity in kids it's a we run a commercial project management structure um, called gazelle project management and our kids 
when they join the Student Executive Council and it's a standards-based model, uh, which means that any kid can apply if they meet some criteria. So we don't have a restriction on how many prefects we have in the school. We had 41 students do a speech last week. Uh, we've had 29 prefects this year. There was 16 the year before and 22 the year before that with the new model that was helped develop by the kids. So that as a part of those projects that the kids run using an authentic authentic. Uh, project management structure. We do a lot of charity work. We do a lot of volunteering work uh, in the community, and that's linked to our Duke of Edinburgh Awards scheme that we run as well, uh, so that kids understand that putting back into the community, being a global citizen and contributing uh, is part of what they'll hopefully carry on as a lifelong learner, and it's part of our formula that we work with our universities to have our students gain early admission into university. When you're running a big, ambitious program like this, um, it strikes me you've, you've got to hold the course, you've got to, you know, stick with it, and it takes a while to just begin to see the benefits. You've also got to learn from what you're doing and um, get feedback and and pivot where you need to. Any things you've you've changed or reprioritized or um, looked at differently in as you as you've spent several years now on this journey at the school? Absolutely. I mean, we've we've changed. We've we've been at this for five and a half years. Um, we slowed down last year. Uh, we realised that with our project-based learning model that we have for year seven and eight was probably too complex. So we we took the foot off the accelerator for six months while we did some some really hardcore uh, soul searching and thinking before we came out and, and rebadged it and revamped it with with a greater level of consultation. With all I mean, everything that we do is through consultation with our staff and working with our staff. Uh, so that was one of the things. So we, we probably slowed down by about six months in, in that change process. Um, so, you know, we, the goal is obviously to embed everything after seven years, which is what research tells us, and five years for most change. And, and we're, we're probably around six months behind that, but, but it's about bringing people on the journey. So every time we think about that as an executive and as a staff, are people with us? Do they know what our school plan means for them as an individual and for the greater good of our kids, but also our whole community? So when we take that temperature every year, uh, that's when we look at, well, are we changing too quickly? What do we need to slow down with? Um, or what can we tweak and change to have a greater level of impact? And to what extent is, is part of that a, a reading of how your executive and how your staff are going? Because this is pretty intensive work, I'd imagine. It's hugely intensive. And I think part of that is that um, through local schools, local decisions and the, and the SBAR process that we have in the RAM has enabled us to provide authentic time allocations for people who do some of the extensive work that you see all of those programs and partnerships have people running them and they have suitable allowances to cater for that uh, as a part of their teaching load if they're teaching forensic science and you're a forensic science scientist well that's part of your teaching load if you're the student executive coordinator um, council coordinator of which there's two they have a significant time allocation uh, in a reduction of face-to-face -face teaching load so that they can do deliver that program and that that's a part of if you're going to do something you do it properly and you resource it properly otherwise it just won't happen and if that's the case don't do it. Uh, Tim um, you know I, earlier this year I went and fronted about 1800 principals all around the state and, and what I said to them was you know this is such a demanding and complex job you're going to be exhausted but make sure that exhaustion counts by having an impact and it strikes me that's what you're doing you know full of energy full of ideas uh, committed to improving the learning outcomes of every young person at Plumpton High. Thanks for your time today. 
And thank you for listening to this episode of Every Student. Never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice or by heading to our website at education.nsw.gov.au slash every hyphen student hyphen podcast. Or if you know someone who is a remarkable innovative educator that we could all learn from, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at New South Wales Education, on Facebook, or email everystudentpodcast at det.nsw.edu.au. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.